Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's podcast. I apologize for my absence last week. I had an immense amount of coursework that I had to complete, but you know what? It's over with. I'm back, and I have a lot of topics that I want to talk about today, so without further ado, let's get into it. So you guys, it is beginning to feel like spring. I am so excited because spring is by far my favorite season. I just love all the flowers and all the green and it's not too hot but also not too cold and you can wear a dress but you can also wear a long sleeve. Just by far my favorite season. But also, it is now officially the start of one of my favorite sports seasons which is auto racing aka NASCAR. Literally since I was born, I have been watching NASCAR races. Pretty much my entire family likes NASCAR. Um, if you don't know the kind of like schedule, I guess you could say, basically with pertaining to NASCAR, Fridays are the truck series where they have the trucks out there running on the track, and then Saturdays are the Xfinity series, which are... I guess you could kind of say the rookies, the guys who don't have as much experience under their belt. And then Sunday is like the main race, which is the Sprint Cup, which is all the veteran drivers, all the guys that have more experience. So this past Sunday, when I took my break, was the start of the race season, and it was the Daytona 500. If you don't know what the 500 stands for, basically it's 500 miles, which is equivalent to 500 laps on the track, and I am someone who is very passionate, I guess you could say, when it comes to racing. You know, like, on Sundays, if I'm home, I'm more than likely watching the race. Like, that, the Sprint Cup is the one that I mainly watch, although every now and then I do watch the Xfinity series, and I... My aunts get a kick out of it because I'm pretty much sitting there just yelling at the TV or, like, rooting on my favorite driver or some sort of deal. And this Daytona was a good race. You know, we had Denny Hamlin who brought home the win, and he is one of, I believe, four racers who have won Daytona 500 back-to-back. And so congratulations to Denny. So we were down to the very last few yards before the finish line, and it was between Denny Hamlin, Ryan Newman, and Ryan Blaney for the top three. And there's this thing where drivers tend to bump each other. So a driver will bump someone that is in front of them, and if they are on the same team, usually that's because they're trying to get them further up or trying to like carry them, I guess you could say. And if they are on an opposite team, usually, like, that's to either get them below the double yellow line or kind of spin them out without really hurting them or anything like that. But side note, the cars are, there's a lot of new safety features in the cars and the guys are, like, tightly packed into their car. But... Ryan Blaney had bumped Ryan Newman from behind, and that spun him out and caused a very serious crash. Um, Ryan Newman hit the side of the wall, 
flipped up onto his hood and then kind of like skidded across the track and came to rest on top of his head and fuel was just like pouring out of the car. Luckily, I can say that Ryan Newman, as I'm recording this podcast, is okay. He is out of the hospital and home with his two daughters, but it was really scary watching that because, you know, I was rooting for Demi Hamlin, and then when I saw that happen to Ryan, I was just like, okay, I wanted Denny to win, but I didn't want this to happen to Ryan, and during the whole, like, situation when you know, Denny was celebrating his win and didn't really know what was going on with Ryan, and people in the crowd were, like, dead silent. It reminded a lot of people of Dale Earnhardt Sr., who was a fantastic racer. He and his son both raced in NASCAR, and Dale Earnhardt Sr. actually died on impact from the Daytona 500 back in 2001, Actually, the day after the race, Monday, was the 18, no, 19 year anniversary. I forget what year we're in. It was a 19 year anniversary of his passing. And so when they're trying to get Ryan out of the car, they had put like black screens up so that way nobody could really see what was going on. And they asked all the media to leave the pit area. And a lot of people were, like, shook by it because it felt like everyone was reliving what happened with Dale Sr. And, you know, luckily Ryan Newman is okay. He has a bad back, and so we were all concerned with that. But he's home now with his daughters, and congratulations to Ryan for a speedy recovery. You know, we're all thinking of him. And... The cars really have updated their safety features a lot because those drivers are like tightly packed in there now and they're pretty much strapped to their seat, you know? I also hate when people tend to say like, oh, NASCAR isn't a real sport. They're just doing left turns. Like, yeah, they're doing left turns, but those guys are going 200 miles an hour for up to like 500 laps. They're strapped into their seat, so they can't see, like, anything on their sides. They can only look forward. So they have to rely on people outside of the car, like their crew chiefs, to tell them, like, hey, you got a guy coming up on your left, you got a guy coming up on your right, go ahead and go low. Like, they have to rely on others. And actually, um, during one race, which a race is about three to four hours, give or take, you know, depending on how many cautions there are, drivers can lose six to eight pounds in water weight just from one race and you know they do like qualifier races they do trials they do practice so these guys have to be like physically fit to be in the sport you know and it's the same thing with cheerleading a lot of people tend to say like oh cheerleading isn't a real sport but it's like you know you're relying on people to catch you from mid-air essentially and you have to have a lot of trust and balance with people so these sports are pretty intense and, you know, people, I personally have not gone to a NASCAR race. I would love to go sometime, but people that I know who have gone to a race, they say that as spectators, their adrenaline is just constantly going. And so if that's just a spectator, imagine what it's like for the drivers or the guys in the pit crew or the crew chiefs or 
anything. Like your adrenaline is just constantly going in a cycle for those three to four, possibly five hours of a race. But regardless, my heart goes out to Ryan Newman. I'm so happy that you were able to leave the hospital within like, what was it, two days? And, you know, I hope you take some time to recuperate and then get back out there driving. But also, you know, be safe and be careful because you have two beautiful daughters who need a father in their life. So even though we have, you know, a new season, a new year, a new start to the sports season, unfortunately, that also does come with ends. My favorite TV show in the world, Criminal Minds, unfortunately is at the end of their run this past week they aired their finale episode and i won't give away any spoilers but as someone who has literally been watching criminal minds her entire life i you know the show came out when i was about three or four and i would watch it with my mom and now here i am turning 19 and it's just literally been in my life since i was little you know that's 15 years worth of story, of plot, of characters, of just such a great show that, unfortunately, we do have to say goodbye to. Um, one thing that has always kind of attracted me to Criminal Minds is, you know, the plot and the storytelling and how, like, the writers on the show are just truly so talented because every episode... You know, with shows like Criminal Minds and Law & Order SVU and different shows like that, sometimes if they're not done the right way, they can seem repetitive. And Criminal Minds has not seemed repetitive in the slightest bit. I have every single episode on every single season on DVD and they always just bring something new and interesting to the table for that show. and. They just have so many different layers to these characters, even if it's just like, you know, a psychopath that they have for one episode. They bring so much character development and so, like, just so many deep layers, and I really respect that about the writers of the show. Plus, the camera, like, not choreography, I don't know why I was about to say camera choreography, but the filmography and... The way that they utilize the camera is also so amazing too, you know, we get these incredible shots pretty much every episode and I don't know, it's just my favorite TV show of all time and I'm sad that, you know, I won't have new episodes to come home and watch but Criminal Minds airs literally all the time on cable. I have it all on DVD too, so it's not going anywhere from my life anytime soon, but I am thankful for all of the different people who have worked on it, and I'm just sad to see it go. But anyways, moving on to the third trending topic that I have today. This is something that I have seen a lot of people talking about this past week in like internet, YouTube, TikTok, kind of social media entertainment. And this first came to my attention um, because of a YouTuber named Amanda, who I love her channel. I will have a link to her video in the description. She is really outspoken and I just love, you know, like 
how much she dedicates like to research and all this stuff on her channel. She's very outspoken with her opinions and I really respect her. And she posted a video talking about this subject and what sparked her to make this video was a New York Times post. So I think most people now know of like this viral TikTok dance called the Renegade and how there's this 15 year old girl who is kind of like, I believe she is the like biggest name on TikTok, Charlie D'Amelio. And I'm not all really that into TikTok or anything. I only go on there for like painting or like Disney stuff. But other than that, I'm like hardly ever on that app. But Charlie D'Amelio is kind of known as being the renegade girl. She's the one who, I guess you could kind of say, made the renegade famous or at least is known for doing the renegade. And whether or not she has ever said that she created it, I don't think she's ever said, like, I don't think she's ever taken credit for it. But the New York Times brought out an article about this 14-year-old girl from Atlanta, and I hope I am pronouncing her name right. Her name is Jalea Harmon, and she is actually the originator of the Renegade. And the reason that, I guess you could say the main issue for why this is kind of coming to light is because she is the, Jalea is the originator of the Renegade, and she is a black girl, and Charlie is the one who is kind of known for doing the Renegade, and she is a white girl. And there's an under, there's a deeper issue here of white people stealing from black creatives and trying to take credit for, trying to take credit for it themselves. But Charlie, I don't believe, has ever tried to say like, oh yeah, I made up the Renegade, like. I think she just saw it and started dancing to it, but didn't give Julia credit. And so this kind of spread like wildfire about this whole thing. People were commenting under Charlie's like videos like, oh, this is the girl who originally started it. Like you stole it from her. And as of now, I think Charlie did a video like dancing with Julia and started to give her credit. But, you know, some of the people who were talking about this, and I saw Amanda talk about this, I saw It's Keisha talk about this, I saw, I think, Philip DeFranco talk about it, um, a few different podcast channels that I listened to, they're all kind of talking about this, and how, as creatives, it really sucks, and it really hurts when other people, you know, get inspired by you, or try and take your ideas and don't give you credit and that's one of the main underlying issues in this you know like it's okay that you want to share something that other people did or you want to like you know do your own version of it and stuff like that but it literally takes no time to just put inspired by at this person or created by this person or giving them some sort of credit and, you know, as of now, Charlie has given credit to Julia, and now everyone knows that Julia is the originator of the Renegade. She is a really talented 14-year-old, you know, she 
is a dancer and she, I believe I saw on her Twitter that she choreographs dances for people's music for like, you know, the viral kind of TikTok stuff. So she was wanting to work with some music creators on that stuff. And I'll leave the article for the whole thing that you can read in the description. But also there is the main, main, like kind of bigger thing that people are talking about, which is white people taking from black creatives or white creatives taking from black creatives. And, you know, we've seen this a lot where, you know, for example, with Julia and Charlie, Julia is the originator of the Renegade, but she's not getting the same opportunities as Charlie, for example, because, you know, she has like, I don't know, I think it was like 23 million followers on TikTok. She's getting the sponsorship. She did the dance in a Super Bowl commercial. She was invited by the NBA to like do it for the NBA TikTok or YouTube or whatever. And, you know, she's getting all these different opportunities. She's also living in LA in like this mansion that's called the Hype House, which has, I don't know how many freaking TikTokers in it. And, you know, like, it's not saying that she doesn't deserve any of that. I think that Charlie is, like, a hard worker. And, you know, obviously she's killing it on TikTok. I have seen some, like, original things that she has come up with, original dances she's come up with. And, you know, it's not saying that she doesn't deserve all that because, I mean, she's doing something right if she's living in a mansion in L.A., pretty much, I think, for free. Like, whoever her management is is paying for this. And she's living with, like, 20 other teenagers like come on like girls killing it but also if you look at you know charlie and julia side by side charlie's getting more opportunities than julia and it goes back to how black creatives really aren't getting the attention that they deserve and you know i follow so many talented black creatives like i follow amanda i follow it's keisha i follow freaking Taylor Giavis and her The Naked Diary series. I follow Hey Paris, Cosmoholics Anonymous, all of these really like creative and entertaining people that I think, you know, deserve more than what they're given. And it just sucks when, you know, people, regardless of their race, but especially when it comes to people who have this like white privilege, when, you know, they don't credit them or they just blatantly steal from them and I just really think that we need to uplift creatives regardless of race that have original ideas and are not problematic and you know just kind of give the attention to these creatives that deserve it you know and I'm not saying that Charlie's a bad person or anything like that. Um, you know, she's 15. Like, she doesn't deserve all the hate that she's getting from it. And, you know, she did a video with Julia and, you know, she gave credit to her. But it's some of these other people who are just blatantly stealing that are ruining it for everyone. And, you know, I will leave a link to the New York Times article and to Amanda's video because... Amanda explains it so much better than I ever could, and I'll leave a link to some of my favorite creatives that I think you guys should check out. Okay, so this portion of the podcast is 
a bit more serious and a lot more personal. And I was honestly debating on talking about this because my last two podcasts have kind of had negative vibes to them. And I want this show to be a positive, inspirational, motivational, like food for thought kind of thing, you know, like how my brand is supposed to be. But I just feel like the universe was compelling me to talk about this based on different events that have gone on this week. And the topic that I wanted to discuss today is dealing with grief and or losing a parent. The Dolan twins earlier this week who are pair YouTubers, they released a beautiful documentary on their channel and it was basically about how they're dealing with the first year after losing their father, Sean, to cancer. And I honestly, like, it was so weird because it was, like, perfect timing for me because as I'm recording this, it is the 22nd of February, and yesterday was the five-year anniversary of my mom's passing. Uh, my mom didn't pass away from cancer. She passed away of complications with diabetes, pneumonia, and valley fever. And in case you don't know what valley fever is, it is something that can become common in, you know, the valley since that's where we live and has something to do with like the dust particles in the air and the soil. And I don't know like the logistics of it, but it is something that is common for people who have lived in the valley for a long time, but it's not con contagious or anything like that. But you know, I've been a longtime supporter of the Dolan twins, and so I watched the documentary, and it was like, not necessarily that I was reliving what I had gone through, but I could relate to a lot of the things that they were talking about in the documentary. You know, there was a portion where they sat down with a therapist and they kind of opened up about what they've been feeling, if they've been feeling anything in the past year. And it was like I was reading through my old journals again. Um, so I kind of wanted to tell you guys the story of what happened with my mom and then kind of share some of the feelings that I felt. So around August of 2014, my mom, it was a day after we had gotten back from a doctor's appointment in San Francisco, and she caught what she thought was the flu. You know, she was in bed for a few days, you know, coughing, sneezing, the whole shebang. And then um, if you're someone that is a little bit squeamish, I suggest skipping forward like 30 seconds but if you're not, then continue listening. Uh, she developed this like water bubble on her leg and we didn't know what it was. At first we thought it was a spider bite. So we ended up taking her to the emergency room and they admitted her and gave her some breathing treatments and everything. And they ended up um, putting her in the hospital for a bit and they started to pop up a lot more like on her legs. and. We were just kind of confused. We were just like, what is this? At first, you know, they said it was a bad case of the flu, but then we were just like, look at her legs. Like, that's not normal. And that was not a sign of 
valley fever or anything like to this day we still don't know what those little things were and so after she got out of the hospital because from a previous kind of thing that she had she had been bound to a wheelchair for most of my life so she had to be admitted to a rehabilitation center so she could gather her strength up enough for her to be able to go home also, side note, if you guys hear snoring in the background, I apologize. Like I said in the trailer for this podcast, Rosie, my pug, is often next to me while I work. And right now, she is sitting right next to me, snoring her little heart out, sleeping and kicking. So she's obviously having a good dream. But anyway, back to the story. So my mom was in a rehab center pretty much from August all the way through November and it became a regular routine for me where I would call her in the morning before school and be like hi mom how's your morning like I'm going to school right now I love you and then after school I would be going with my aunt over to the rehab center and spending a few hours there until like six o'clock and then go home have dinner around eight or nine I call her like good night mom I love you and then doing it all again the next morning and on the weekends I was pretty much up there literally all day so it became a routine for me but I was okay with it because it meant that I got to see my mom and so then she was supposed to be able to come home around Thanksgiving, but then they ended up having to push it back another week. So then she finally was able to come home. And throughout this time, you know, she had had multiple breathing treatments she was having to do. She was having to do physical therapy to get her strength back up. But when she came home, it was like, I couldn't even recognize her because she was just in like, so much pain and she could barely even talk without having to cough or gasp for air and she like couldn't stand to be in the house for some reason it just her immune system was not working like how it should have so she ended up spending the night at her aunt's house and then the next morning she got readmitted to the hospital so we're like okay we'll go through this again Um, or actually, no, I apologize. She got to her doctor. So she went to her primary care doctor to be like, hey, something's not working. And they, I had went with her and basically they said, you need to call your aunt right now to come and get your mom's wheelchair because we're going to admit her to the hospital. And we were both just like, wait, what? And it was because her blood sugar was really low and her fever was like up. And so they had to take her by ambulance and we had to come and get her electric wheelchair because they couldn't take it in the ambulance um, vehicle with them. So then she was back in the hospital for December and then she ended up going back to the rehab center the same one that she was at before and she was there and it was like constant you know back and forth hospital rehab hospital rehab hospital rehab like all the way through 
November when she got out and she was only out of the rehab center 12 hours before she went right back to the hospital. So she wasn't even out a full day. And so it was a constant back and forth all the way from December until the end of January, I believe. And then finally, they just decided we're just going to keep you in the hospital because there's no sense in sending you to the rehab and then you having to come right back. So she was admitted to the hospital again. And then they, you know, they kept doing biopsies and tests. At one point, they tried to tell us that it was lung cancer. And so then I remember coming in after school one day and then my aunt telling me go in your mom needs to talk to you and I was like what because normally my aunts go in with me but I was the only one who went in and so then she told me that the doctors told her she had lung cancer but then the next day they turn around and say oh no wasn't lung cancer we don't know what it is but it's not cancer and we're just like what the hell so and I'm laughing because it's it's honestly ridiculous but then she went from just like the regular kind of stay of the hospital to being in the intensive care unit. And this went all the way until the 21st of February 2015 when she passed away. And we had just kind of decided that because at that point she was basically a vegetable, you know, she was relying on a breathing machine in order for her to breathe and she couldn't even open her eyes like the only thing she could do was squeeze my hand for responses and we just knew that you know we had to make a tough decision but it was something that she would have wanted because she did tell us like if something happens where i become a vegetable i don't want to live like that and honestly i don't think anyone should have to live like a vegetable you know but that's beside the thing so because it wasn't like a sudden death or anything like that, I kind of had like a few months to prepare for it. And it's like nobody wants to, you know, think that their parents are going to die or someone that is close to them is going to die. Like nobody wants to think about that. They just want to think about that person getting better. But after, you know, she had been in there for like six or seven months at that point, it's like you start certain things start looking more and more like reality and I remember on our way up to the hospital um to go see her that day it was like I had a split thought in my head like something is wrong like I could feel it in my gut like something is wrong here and I was just like this is it and then like I quickly snapped out of it and I was like no no I can't think like that but I like felt it inside and it was scary because that was the night that she passed and you know it was just I can't even imagine what was going through her head mentally throughout those six to seven months of not being able to be home in her own bed or being able to leave you know outside or anything like it's it's unimaginable and I don't wish that upon anyone and I also don't wish the position that I was in on anyone. Also, um, there was a second rehab center that they had originally, not originally, but they had sent her to that one. And we were like, 
this close to suing that place and I can't talk about it because that place is still running but one day when that place finally shuts down I will be able to tell this story so look forward to that in future episodes but I don't know it was kind of like you know reality just kind of sets in she passed away I believe on a Saturday it's either Friday or Saturday and I was supposed to stay out of school because I was in eighth grade and I was 13 turning 14 at the time I was supposed to stay out of school that entire week and then as the week got on I was just kind of like okay maybe I'll go back Friday just to kind of collect my work and then start doing that like over the weekend or whatever like Friday can be a trial run and I ended up going back Thursday because I just felt like I can't be in my house right now because if I stay if I stay in my house and if I stay you know kind of in this environment as of right now I am going to lose it because everything reminds me of her you know her and I shared a room my entire life and it's like if I stayed at home any longer I was going to lose it so I wanted to go back to school to be honest to be able to distract me from that and the twins had kind of talked about how you know earlier in the year you could kind of you could kind of tell that they were trying to distract themselves with YouTube videos and creating different things instead of processing you know their feelings and what happened with their dad and I'm not assuming anything like this is something they have said themselves and honestly I can agree you know I threw myself into other things to try and distract myself from it so that way it didn't seem real and so going back to their documentary you know most of the things they were talking about and the different feelings that they're experiencing I felt those too you know I I feel like the first year is obviously the hardest year after someone you love passes and that's because it's what I call the year of firsts it's your first Christmas without them your first birthday without them uh, your first for me my first graduation without them you know like a few months after she passed I graduated from middle school um, her first birthday without her and it's like I remember sitting on my bed one day just like crying and it was like I think a few days before my birthday and I was just like mom should be here like mom should have been here for my 14th birthday and like she should be here for her 55th birthday and it's like that is the toughest year you will ever have but what I can say is that with each day passing it does get easier my situation personally the first like year and a half two years were the hardest for me and it wasn't just like you know her not being here anymore there were other things involved with her death that um, kind of you know messed me up and I'm not really comfortable sharing those just yet um I will in the future but I just yeah and so I for a while just kind of like you know I remember 
looking at videos and looking at photos and just trying to learn everything about my mom and things that she had never told me like as much as I could and honestly like I saw that when the twins were you know going through like their dad's friends and talking to his friends and his students and his colleagues like asking for like you know their best moments with their dad and I was doing the same thing except that I wasn't talking to people I was looking at photos you know I found at least seven or eight of my mom's photo books and these aren't like small photo galleries these are like thick books and I remember just sitting there for hours looking at these different photos just trying to kind of get a grasp on who she was outside of being my mom and all those years before she had me and I don't know I guess my advice for anyone who is going through this right now or anyone who has been through this for a while is that each day does get a little bit easier and you know things are never gonna be the same and for a while you're gonna feel like you're gonna feel a lot of guilt and that first year you are not going to feel anything really um, you're just it's like you feel numb you know that first year you're going to feel numb and the only feeling you're probably going to have is either anger or guilt and this happens a lot where we feel guilty because it's just like we feel like we could have done something more we like there's something that we could have done that would have kept them from passing or kept them from suffering and we also feel guilty because of like the petty arguments that we used to have with our parents and feel guilty about you know like ignoring them or not taking out the trash the first time they asked and all of those little like everyday arguments we start to feel guilty about me personally I suffered a lot with trying to remember the good memories but for some reason it was like my brain could only remember the bad memories because I felt guilty you know like all of those bad memories like we could have turned around somehow and made them better but it was like we didn't know at the time what our future was gonna be you know and I guess the only thing I have to say about when you're feeling guilty is know that it's not your fault like there's nothing more you could have done there's nothing more anyone could have done it's just the way that you know life was written or the way that god planned it whoever you believe in like this is the way it was supposed to be and there's a reason behind it and you may not know that reason right now but you will later and you know all of us have our own times that we go and sometimes it's earlier than we expect and you know you just kind of have to tell all the people that are in your life how much you love them don't take you know things for granted tell the people you love how much you appreciate them and be lucky to have those little moments of laughter or looking at those sunsets and those sunrises you know just live life to the fullest because it's just a reminder that we all are living on borrowed time you know
And looking back at the past five years, I will definitely say that I have changed a lot in those past five years and I have gotten stronger as a person, you know, like looking back at how I was in middle school and how I am now, I have changed a lot. Like I honestly don't recognize myself back in middle school and with anyone who loses their parents young, you know, it it's a different experience versus losing them when you're older because, you know, like say teenagers, for example, I lost my mom when I was 13 turning 14 and it's like those are the most vulnerable years mentally and you know going into high school those are the years where you need those parental figures and you need those like adults that you can confide in and talk to or just know that they're there to help and so it was really tough you know having to go into high school and having questions that other girls were asking their moms and I couldn't and for I think the first two years I would have split seconds where it's like you know those split second that you have in the morning when you wake up and you can't remember anything you know that split second right before you kind of become conscious of what's going on I would often have those split seconds where I would be like oh wait I haven't called mom I need to call her it's been a few days and then I would kind of snap back to reality and be like, wait a minute, she won't answer. Or I'd be like, oh, Mother's Day is coming up. I need to get something for mom. And then I'd snap back to reality. And you know that I'm not going to say that that's not common when you lose your parents young. Um, but the good thing is that you're not the only one who has gone through that as like, hear me out. I know that kind of sounds messed up but just listen so when you're in the moment and you're going through you know trying to grieve and everything you feel like you're the only person in the world who understands what you're going through and i feel it's like that with things other than grief too you know when you're in those dark moments you feel like you're the only person in the world who knows how you feel and nobody else will under will understand or come close to understanding and you know it's true nobody knows exactly what it is you're going through but there are people out there who have experienced what you are experiencing they have been through that before as well and you know one of my friends wrote me a card when my mom first passed away and she said i know it feels like you're the only person in the world right now who can imagine going through this but but there are people out there who have gone through what you are currently going through that are there to help you and will listen to you even if you just need a face to talk to not even them responding to you just having a physical person to shout things at and to cry to and it was like whoa you know and it it's so therapeutic and so like releasing when you're able to get those emotions out and deal with those emotions you know it took me a while before i worked up enough courage to 
be able to go to therapy or be able to go to counseling or even just talk to my aunts that I live with, you know, like, it took me a long time to build up that courage. And once I started talking, it just lifted a huge weight off of me because they were able to tell me, like, what you're feeling is normal because I felt that when my parents died or I felt that when my friend or my sister and so on, like, they were saying what you're feeling is normal. And it, in a way, like, it validates your feelings. And even if, you know, you don't necessarily want to talk to someone, whether that be, like, a therapist or a family member, even just journaling and write your feelings out, you know, nobody has to see it, but just being able to physically get it out of your head and either onto paper or, like, have the words come out of your mouth. It is so therapeutic and it's so freeing because you don't have to hold those feelings or any of that, you know, inside anymore. It's like when you bottle up your emotions, you can only bottle it up so much before the cat bursts and you create an entire mess that takes forever to clean up. And it's honestly true, you know, there are people out there who who at least come close to experiencing what you're experiencing. You know, nobody's going to know the exact pinpoint feeling that you're feeling, but people sure do come pretty darn close, and it really helps with talking to people. So if you are, if you're going through that with a family member or someone that's very close to you, I highly suggest being able to talk to someone or at least being able to journal things down to get it out of your body and being able to free yourself and know that nothing, like none of it was your fault and you shouldn't feel guilty about it, but you should use it to serve, you know, a reminder to live your life to the fullest and tell everyone around you how much you love them and or appreciate them and know that those petty arguments are not worth it. Like, if you still have your parents or your parental figures in your life, they tell you to take out the trash, just do it. If they tell you to do the dishes or something, just do it. You just waste time arguing with them or putting up a fight. Just, it's so petty, to be honest, looking back at those fights I used to have with my mom. But, you know, there were other things about it, too, that I can't really talk about right now. But, beside the point. Moving on to a lighter note, something that I think will make you guys laugh, but make me cringe, is um, I was going through some of my old journals from, like, middle school and freshman year and stuff like that, and I found a poem that I wrote. I titled it Wishing Flowers, and oh my god, this is so terrible. Cringe warning. So, <laughs> I can't believe I'm reading this out for the entire internet to hear, but here we go. It says, Oh, wishing flowers, ride this steady breeze. I send you to the one I love, in hopes he is wishing for me. Allow me to love and be loved by him, and if not him, someone who will love me as I have loved him. 
ride the steady breeze, and send a blessing to the ones who are loved. Oh, wishing flowers, help me manifest the love I wish to find. Oh, wishing flowers, carry my faith and love for all of lifetime. Oh my god. <laughs> what kind of stuff was that on back then? <laughs> Honestly, like, I, I used to have, like, a poetry kick back then. Like, I used to be obsessed with poetry and, like, you know, kind of otherworldly things. And I used to sit and write a lot of poems like this. And looking back on them, I'm just like, honey, those were not good. Like, what were you doing? Because at the time, I felt like, this is the best poem I've ever written. Like, this is going to be in a poetry book one day. Like girl slow your roll oh my goodness i have such bad embarrassment right now but hopefully you laughed at that so this poem is not the worst thing i've ever written there are things worse than this but it is definitely not the best i haven't written poetry in like two or th yeah two years uh, at this point and i feel like you know, even though I'm out of practice, I could do a lot better than this. I think I wrote this when I was, like, a freshman or maybe a sophomore, and I was, like, in love with a little boy in high school. Like, girl, you didn't even know what love was. <laughs> and, you know, I decided to kind of talk about this today because lately when I've been going on Facebook, because I only keep my Facebook for family, you know, I go on there every now and then and just see what my family who are a little bit older up to since that's like the only social media they have and we don't you know use phones to contact each other apparently we all just decide we're going to comment on each other's facebook posts but anyway whenever i look on my feed the first thing on my feed is like oh here are your facebook memories from so many years ago and they're like when i was in middle school and like a freshman in high school and I'll sit there and read these posts I used to write and a lot of them have like the same kind of ideas to them where it's like I will never apologize for my opinions and I will always do what's right and share my thoughts with the world and blah 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 and all this stuff and I'm like who hurt you little girl like hashtag who hurt Nikki I want to know who hurt this girl because I just sit there and read some of these posts and I'm just like man I don't know who the hell I was mad at, but I was mad at somebody. And, I mean, like, I was probably mad at a few different people, because I used to have, like, some little things with people back then where, like, you know, petty high school and middle school drama, but, man, I was a mess. Hashtag, who hurt Nikki? So, like, it goes back to how I said, like, I don't recognize the person I used to be back in middle school and sixth grade and freshman year. Like, that's a completely different person, but in a good way, you know? I feel like I used to be someone that was so scared of change, and I would say, like, why do we have to change? Why can't we just stay the way we are? But looking at it now and the person I am today, it's like change is necessary you know i'm not someone who likes to be in the same routine for an extended period of time i can't even stay in my house for more than three days without going insane okay i can never commit to like 
a morning routine or like a nighttime routine because I'm constantly having to change things up or else I completely go insane. That's kind of the Gemini in me. Shout out Zodiac, you know? Um, and I feel like it's just really beautiful being able to evolve as people. Like one of the most extraordinary things about human beings is that we are able to evolve ourselves and adapt and bring change to our lives and grow for the better. I just think that that's so like beautiful and I love being able to, you know, when I make a friend, learn about like who they were before and see who they are today and what they want to become. I just love being able to see that change in people and see people blossom into their true selves, I guess you could say. Like, I'm trying to get some good vibes into this podcast right now, and I am really trying hard. But, like, seriously, I think it's so beautiful being able to see people come into their own and embrace who they truly are, you know? I'm very content with who I am, like, mentally and everything right now, I am probably the happiest I've ever been, you know? Physically, I'm not super content, but everywhere else, I am pretty content. And I haven't really ever been able to say that before, but I do know that I'm excited to further evolve and to keep learning, to be able to teach others and be able to grow as a person. That's one of my favorite things to do is I constantly want to be able to learn and constantly be able to grow and change because I don't like staying in the same place mentally, physically, whatever for too long. I like to be able to explore and expand my mind. I don't like being, you know, stuck somewhere. It makes me go insane. And if you are someone who likes, you know, a bit more of a steadier, slower, pace and is comfortable with where you're at, all power to you because I sure as hell could not slow down and stay somewhere. I am just like a fast motion person. Like my mind goes a billion miles a minute and I'm constantly jumping from thing to thing. But if you're someone who can, you know, slow down and settle down and everything, all power to you. Like, go, you do you. <laughs> and if, and if, you know, you're someone who is a bit more of a settle down person and you want to be a more fast-paced person go ahead and do that like don't be afraid to change things up every now and then and you know explore new things and expand your mind don't be afraid to do that because it's honestly really fun and if you are someone who is fast-paced and you know is jumping around everywhere and you want to settle down and have slower pace go ahead and do that i think that it's good to change things up and, you know, slow down every now and then. So just do what you want, you know? Uh, but with that being said, I think that is a good place to kind of end this podcast. But before we go, I just want to share some of my current jams as well as some current things I'm loving right now. I am really loving Five Seconds of Summer's new song, No Shame. It is just like such a vibey song and I love that kind of sound that they are starting to have and the music video is so cool. Like I love the cheetah and leopard print wall where the eyes are blinking. It's super cool. I think you guys should definitely check it out. Also they have 
a bit of a not really old song, but a song off of their last album called Teeth that I've literally been obsessed with since it dropped. And I don't know, just like plugging in like my earbuds into my phone and playing that song while I'm like walking between buildings or walking down the sidewalk or walking home or something. I don't know, it just kind of makes me feel like a badass and I love the vibe it gives me. So check out Five Seconds of Summer. Also, Niall Horan just dropped a song called No Judgment, and I love the video for it. It is so fun and so vibey. And I've been into Maren Morris a lot more than usual lately. I love her discography, but it just it makes me feel of like spring and summer, and it's got a little bit of like an older sound to it. I've currently been loving her song 80s Mercedes because it just makes me feel like springtime with your sunglasses on and blasting your radio with like the sunroof up like the sunroof down or like the top down on your car cruising through like downtown LA or by the coast or something like gives you those vibes and I'm here for that because I love spring I love anything having to do with spring and I feel like spring is a perfect time to like you know the transition between spring and summer that is the perfect time to go to the beach because it's not burning hot outside but like it's also not super cold like you can still wear a bathing suit and two shows that I well, I've always kind of loved this first one but I've really been loving the direction it's going in lately and that is the bold type on freeform it is about these three girls who work at this magazine called Scarlet one is I believe like a fashion person the other is social media and the other is a writer hello writer journalism of course I'm gonna love this show and it's just like you know when you're having a girls night with your friends it's one of those shows where like it's just like a fun girls night like you feel like you're with your friends and I love how progressive the show is and how it talks about things that are currently going on so definitely check out the bold type also a new show that has come to the CW now hear me out, I know that the CW has not always had the best shows, but they really do have a good show. There are only two episodes out right now, but it's on Thursdays. Also, The Bold Type is on Thursdays, so it's like I'll literally watch The Bold Type, and then right after I'll watch this new show, and it's called Katie Keene. It stars Lucy Hale, and she plays a girl named Katie living in New York with her three best friends, one is like a deli kind of Broadway wannabe by day and then a drag queen by night. One is she works at a like old record store but she wants to be a singer-songwriter and then another is like a European kind of fashionista artist girl who definitely is like she definitely finesses some people like all props to her and she's trying to like make this dream kind of art gallery out of this warehouse and she wants it to be big one day and Katie works for this I, th I think it's like the equivalent of Macy's for example but she works in like different departments for it but she really wants to be a fashion designer and it's such a good show it's another one of those like sit around and watch it with your girlfriends during the sleepover and uh, I just love those two shows so much. They both are like the perfect shows for 
anyone to just sit with like wine or like a fruit drink and relax and feel like you know you're with your girlfriends I'm sounding really repetitive right now but you get the points but yeah with that I am at the end of the podcast thank you guys so much for listening like I said earlier I will have all of the different things that I mentioned like the New York Times article Amanda's video all that good jazz in the description as well as where you can find me on Instagram Twitter Pinterest uh freaking just anywhere and everywhere also be able to check out the mindfulgemini.com recently updated some things on the website and i am getting back into posting i kind of took some time off from posting on the website to focus on this podcast but now i'm starting to get into the rhythm where i can kind of manage both so be on the lookout for some new posts over there i think this upcoming week i'm going to share a list like a listicle which is kind of a snag from the bold type where it's a list article of some of my favorite recipes that I've been doing in this new spring season and in this new year so be on the lookout for that thank you guys so much for listening I am so excited to see where the next episode goes and yeah I'm excited for this to finally be like something real so thank you guys for listening and i will see you guys next time bye